from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and of course, marketing Padawan learners of all ages, welcome to the program. First, the name, Professor America Street. Second, the game is, of course, marketing as in segmentation, targeting, positioning, and messaging to your customers. Listeners, in the immortal words of Louis Marco, you are to be saluted on a daily basis. Baby, please, Series XM to the 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Professor Americus Reed. I'll be hosting solo today because my co-host, Barbara Khan, is not in, but they call me the hip-hop prof, a.k.a. the czar of the M-A-R, the militant poet, the muscular microphone hustler, the messiah of marketing. And this is, of course, Marketing Matters, the program, the show that takes you inside the world of marketing business, branding, retail, research, strategy, and, of course, pop culture. So, listeners, follow us at Twitter at SXM Marketing. And you can also follow Business Radio at SXM Business for information about all of our wonderful programming on the show. Or, of course, you can hit me up on Twitter at A-M-R-E-E-D-2. That's A-M-R-E-E-D-2 on Twitter or at Professor Americus, one word on the gram. So hit me up on the social media tip. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, but don't lose your grip. And, of course, if you want to dial in today and talk to us right now, and have a conversation with the Hip Hop Prof. You can at any point call in during the show and give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. So let me tell you what we've got on tap for today. It's absolutely incredible. We've got our Hit and Miss of the Week segment with Peter Adams, who is a reporter of Marketing Dive. And for our Spotlight segments later on the show, we've got Jason Harris, the co-founder of CEO award-winning creative advertising agency mechanism, and Patrick Cassidy, chief marketing officer at Autograph, which is the Web3 brand co-founded by the GOAT, Mr. Tom Brady. So, but before we play Marketing Matters Hit and Miss of the Week, let me introduce our first guest and welcome him back to the program. He is a friend of the Wharton School, ladies and germs. This is Peter Adams, reporter of Marketing Dive. Peter, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me on, Americus. I feel like uh, I should have prepped a, a bigger intro. I feel like I might bring the energy down. Based on <laughs> no worries, my friend. Back. We're always we are excited to always have you here, dropping your wisdom, dropping your knowledge, and really taking us through the inside. Because you're a guru. You study this, Peter. You are a journalist. You are a professional, and you go deep inside. You pull the curtain back, my friend, and you understand with deep intricacy all of the key things that are happening in the marketing world. So I'm excited to play our hit or miss of the week. And it's absolutely interesting because this week we're going to open up the hit or miss. Usually we do this program and this segment by talking about what are the things that are out there that could either be called hits in the marketing world or misses in the marketing world. And in fact, it's an incredible part of the show. Hit. Bullseye. Or miss. Just a bit outside. And of course, as we talk about the hit or misses of the week, and we're going to talk about it in this particular context with our friend Peter, uh, you can call in, ladies and germs. Call us at 844-942-7866. That's 1-844-WARTEN, and you can join this conversation. So let's talk about this, this hit or miss concept, Peter, in the context of something you've been studying very intricately. And that's, of course, the notion of brand rivalry. So we all know that there are many numerous famous iconic 
competitions that have existed out there. Talk us through this notion of brand rivalry and some of the cool stuff that we can talk about as either hits or misses in the context of the evolution of these brands fighting for market share, if you will. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure any of the aspiring marketers out there know that uh, competition can breed uh, innovation, smart ideas, trying to get an edge on the bigger players. Uh, and one of the one of the motivating reasons for our team uh, to pursue this brand rivalry story uh, was looking at that. You know, how have underdogs kind of emerged throughout history, and when have kind of the legacy stakeholders slipped up, made mistakes, uh, lost market share, uh, that type of thing? You know, it's mm -hmm. been uh, any one of these rivalries is defined by ups and downs. So for for my part of the project, I looked at uh, Coke versus Pepsi. Uh, one of the longest Ooh. running, yeah. Yes, the, 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 the Cola Wars, Peter. Please take us through that history. And by the way, be very careful, sir, because I'm from Atlanta. So, it, if, 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 hey, if you throw shade on my polar bears, we may be throwing hands, my friend. So, oh, no, God. but seriously, take us, <laughs> take us through, because this is like famous marketing stuff. Uh, yeah, famous marketing stuff. And, you know, one of the interesting things to kind of track throughout the years is how it's ebbed and flowed. Pepsi always the smaller company but like we sort of teed up earlier uh when you're kind of working with more limited resources that can spur some really great creative ideas mm. uh and so if you want to talk about uh the hits and misses aspect of it uh starting in the 70s pepsi runs the pepsi challenge campaign where they mm -hmm. just did blind taste tests that found most consumers who tried uh their product preferred it over coke uh, and, you know, that served as marketing fodder for Pepsi for years to come. Uh, and it felt like uh, an easy layup on a bigger rival that had kind of gotten more comfortable, uh, mm -hmm. had a little bit of a fustier image, was sort of rooted in classic Americana. And suddenly mm. you had Pepsi taking on this disruptor mantle to say, well, statistically, people prefer our product and we can throw ah. that in an ad. Uh, mm -hmm. And even though it's such a subjective thing, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it ended up kind of uh, putting the pressure on Coke. Coke sweats a little bit, and that led to, to further stumbles down the line. But that was definitely one of the first big demarcating points in terms of this rivalry taking shape in the form of marketing versus just on the sales front. And the disruption piece, Peter, talk about this because this was, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this was targeted around kind of how do we attract a younger consumer into this, right? How do we, as Coca-Cola is a traditional, iconic, venerable institution, all of that stuff, Coke and a smile, happiness in a bottle, but innovating at that time because it was, it was an attempt to try to like speak to this younger generation, if you will. Yeah, that was around the time that Pepsi, you know, maybe a decade earlier had started toying with the Pepsi generation idea. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, if you look back at Coke's marketing entering the 60s, the 70s, the counterculture era, uh, up until that point, uh, again, the classic Americana stuff, Norman Rockwell used to paint some of their advertisements. So you mm -hmm. think of that very homey, illustrated feel, uh, very wholesome. And then Pepsi in the 60s, along with this swelling counterculture movement, said, well, you know, if you're younger and cooler, maybe you want to try Pepsi, and their ads started to reflect that. Uh, again, Coke wasn't immediately reactive to this idea. I think mm -hmm. they were comfortable enough in their leadership position. Uh, but as uh, you know, the counterculture persisted, the youth culture persisted, suddenly it became 
uh, a bigger factor for them to consider. And you can see a lot of this echo into today. Pepsi still has like a huge established stake in uh, the music space. Uh, for the past decade, they've owned the Super Bowl halftime show. You think about mm. something like the halftime show this year brought out mm-hmm. everyone from Kendrick Lamar to Dr. Dre. You know, yes. they're definitely trying to own the uh, the cool, the cultural factor that Coke, at least historically, uh, did not have that first mover advantage in. Interesting. I, I love it, too, because, I, I, you know, I was a massive fan of the Super Bowl uh, halftime event because I'm a big fan of Snoop and 50 Cent. And Dre and Eminem. It was a very funny meme that came out, Peter, that said, "If you recognize these artists, it might, and you're big fans of these artists, it might be time for you to get a colonoscopy." Uh, so, you know, going back to the old school, baby, and the hip hop, bringing all this stuff that's fun and bringing back nostalgia around it, sort of the cool thing was a was a huge thing. But what was Coke, what was Coca Cola's response to this? You know, this movement around, you know, trying to attract younger. Consumers trying to be more innovative, trying to respond to what uh, Pepsi was doing in this brand rivalry. Yeah, so back in the when you think about the the, the kind of heyday of that TV commercial advertising, the Mad Men era, sixties, seventies, uh, Coke did have some big wins. Uh, famously, nineteen seventy one, uh, the Hilltop ad, "I'd like to buy the world of Coke," which, if you think about Pepsi taking that first shot across the bow with Pepsi Generation, mm. Hilltop right. is a very savvy response you know shows a very diverse global consumer base uh, all joining together in this uh, plea for peace uh to buy the world of coke broadly considered at least in an academic sense one of the most iconic ads of all time mm-hmm. uh and you know famously mad men uh, spoilers mm-hmm. for the show that's don draper's last big creative idea uh so yes. you know in, yes, in yes. trying to spot in that front on the product front and on the sales front, uh, you know, Coke continued to feel greater pressure, see greater market share loss to Pepsi. Uh, mm. And if you fast forward a little bit to the 80s, if we want to talk about uh, hits and misses, uh, mid 80s is when the biggest miss in Coke's history, yes. uh, maybe in all of product launches, comes to, to comes to the fore in the form of New Coke. New uh, Coke. You know, I feel like the 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 wounds left over from the Pepsi challenge. Uh, and just changing consumer taste, Coke said, we need to go back to the drawing board. Yes. Um, famously did a very market research intensive approach. The yes. CEO who had recently stepped up at the time had a background in R&D and on the technical side of things. And so yeah. they reformulated their beverage. They brought it out. It had been market tested. Everyone said they loved it in that phase. Uh, and it lasted, I think, something like six months. Uh, Interesting. And yeah. Almost, almost immediately reverted back to what was then billed as classic Coke. Classic uh, Coke. So it was an interesting pivot because I think your point's great. And by the way, listeners, this is Peter Adams that we're having a conversation with. He is a journalist at a fantastic outlet called Marketing Dive. Check them out. Uh, but we're having the conversation about brand rivalry and Coke versus Pepsi. And New Coke, they underestimated the own power of their brand. And the idea that, you know, strip away all the stuff and you just ask about, what does this taste like? Do you like the taste? Without sort of saying, hey, oh, by the way, we're going to take your old Coke away from you was a big mistake, right, and a huge miss, if you will, from that perspective. Is that correct, Peter? A, hu- a huge miss, and, and you make a great point about, you know, them focusing so much on qual- aspects of the product that are, um, you know, not – they don't mean everything. You know, when you think about something like a flavor profile, obviously it's important if you have a drink that tastes like <laughs> dirt, people aren't going to buy it. But, uh, yes. you know, c- Coke – sort of misunderstood what people turned to its beverage for the associations they carried 
you right. know, when you think about occasions where you drink soda, you know, something comforting or to unwind or re to relax, to suddenly introduce a shock to the system there and totally reformulate it, even yep. if it did taste test better in those, you know, the, in that market research phase. Mm -hmm. I think at a mass scale, they underestimated, yeah, the, the, the amount of affinity they really had. And as mm -hmm. one of the oldest consumer brands that's been sold at a mass scale, uh, yep. it's not like there's some niche uh, market. You know, they're, they were sold everywhere. Everyone knows what Coke tastes like, even if they don't drink soda. Mm -hmm. uh, so suddenly shaking that whole formula up, um, you know, what was a misstep. And the other thing is that it, it basically admitted that Pepsi was kind of right. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, when Pepsi mm -hmm. introduces the, the whole one of the things we're trying to analyze in this brand rivalry series is like, when do you respond to a pot shot? You know, ah. what does that say? If, if you're the leader and you suddenly respond, you're basically giving your competitor uh, credence. credence. You're saying yeah. this is a legitimate yeah. uh, assessment. And by reformulating their flavor profile, Coke was basically saying, you know, the Pepsi challenge has dogged us for years now uh, and, and consumers seem to be maybe changing their minds a bit. So. Uh, you know, they, they basically conceded that, that what they had wasn't working. Uh, and then a, 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 in one of the biggest case studies of a failed product launch ever, you know, immediately reverted back uh, or, or essentially immediately reverted back to their. Yeah, a, a giant mea culpa. Listeners, I got to ask you a question. Are you Team Coke or are you Team Pepsi? Give us a call at 1844 Wharton. That's 1844 and express your allegiance to one of these incredible uh, beverage companies. Now, talk to me, Peter, about the idea of where things move forward. Because talk to me a little bit about, because I'm always interested in how these big rivalries in this context themselves get disrupted by things that uh, arise in the marketplace. For example, new trends around health and sh you know people being concerned about too much sugar and all of this kind of stuff. Has that added another kind of interesting layer of strategic nuance to all of this? What are your thoughts on that? It, it definitely affected, if you look in past the new Coke debacle into the 90s and the early 2000s, uh, diet options continue to climb in prominence and become big sellers. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, you know, 90s for Coke and Pepsi uh, became less about the traditional rivalry and more about uh, broadening their portfolios into stuff like water. Uh, mm. It took these companies decades to figure out that people bought, bought, would buy bottled water. Um, mm -hmm. And so the marketing uh, enters a little bit of a fallow period at the innovation front because it's kind of like uh, having to reassess, go back to the drawing board. Uh, some stuff is still working, but, you know, like you said, there's this growing concern about linkages to obesity and other health problems, high sugar beverages. Uh, so it became this kind of less of the sort of tit for tat in the traditional sense and more. These are two really big companies that need to rethink uh, how they do business in more substantial ways and maybe diversify a little bit beyond their core products. And you can look at PepsiCo and Coke today, huge multinational conglomerates that own uh, yeah, more brands right, right. Than, than you could count on one, you know, two hands or whatever. You know, they're so big now and, and they have such diverse product portfolios, Pepsi more so than Coke. But uh, yeah, no, there was definitely a reassessment there in the, in the 90s and in the 2000s. Amazing. I, I love this brand rivalry because some, it points to the fact, Peter, that so often we, we, we see two major players, whether it be you know, Apple or Microsoft or you know, uh, you know, Coke or Pepsi, that emerge and then they do bad. It's like, it's, it's, it's like Gladiator, man. It's like you got to go into the, into the arena and like see who fights for the death. One of the things I thought was a big hit that Coke did, Peter, was, putting, when, was when they basically put people's names on the cans. 
and got people to talk about it in a kind of interesting sort of a way. Uh, and so part of what is, you know, part of the story that you're trying to bring out for us is really to point out that it's this con- it's a chess game. It's constant back and forth. It's game theory. Coke does X. Pepsi does Y and so on back and forth. And to see at the end of the day uh, who's going to be the eventual winner. But I got to put you on record, sir. Are you Team Coke or are you Team Pepsi? I, uh, I this is the most boring answer imaginable. I'm not much of a soda drinker. Uh, ah. don't, have a, don't have a strong preference either way. If I have a soda, it's usually uh, a ginger ale uh, uh-huh. or like Uh-oh. an Gina or something. But That's I, I amazing. Historically, I uh, guess I lean slightly more towards Coke, but uh, really not much of a soda drinker at the end of the day. Gotcha. Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toss this over to our crack producer, Dana, and our crack sound audio engineer. I've got one vote for Coke. Will you guys add some more data to this, and we'll see who wins. What are your thoughts? All right, I'll go first. Um, see, here's the thing. Pepsi is cool. <laughs> I'm Team Coke. Cause like oh! when, when, I, when I when I drink Pepsi, honestly, it uh-huh. tastes like it should just be called soda. Like there's no <laughs> there's no specific like flavor. It just tastes like soda. Coke has a little more flavor to it. So I'm I'm Team Coke. Oh, that's incredible. What about you, Dana? I'm Team Coke all the way. I, I oh, I ladies and yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Even drink the Pepsi. Well, there you go, ladies and germs. We have a shutout, three to zero. Uh, Peter's a little bit on the fence, but that's okay. A clear winner today, and of course, uh, congratulations to Coca-Cola. Peter, you are an incredible journalist. We thank you for your time. Where can our listeners go to keep up with you and your work and other things that's going on at Marketing Dive? Sure. So, yeah, marketingdive.com. As we talked about, we're running this brand rivalry series every Tuesday this month. We've got a new rivalry going up, so Coke vs. Pepsi was the first big one. Uh, We did Nike and Adidas this week, and then uh, next week... We have a, uh, I won't spoil it, but uh, famous fast food brands, two famous fast food brands will be uh, a part of the running next week. Uh, so Excellent. yeah, marketingdive.com where you can subscribe to our daily newsletter or you can follow us uh, at Marketing Dive on Twitter or my account at PatchAdam03. Very, very cool. Thank you very much, Peter. Listeners, we're going to take a short break. This is Marketing Matters Business Radio, Sirius XM Channel 132.